Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion! What's up? Can we make some noise for everybody who just got baptized? You guys could do better than that. Can we make some noise for everybody who just got baptized? There we go. Man, that's such a big deal. I want us to continue making a big deal of that. That is, Jesus said, go out making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is why we're here. This is what we're here to do, to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus. To be a disciple just means a student, a follower. And so we have some people who made that decision and made a public declaration. How many of you guys know it's not always easy to make a public declaration of faith in Jesus Christ in the society that we live in? So I want to make a big deal about that because it is a huge deal. The heavens are rejoicing. That's what Jesus says. God himself rejoices at us being in relationship with him, at us stepping into relationship with him. Such a huge deal. So proud of everybody who's done that. And if you are thinking about getting baptized, I I think that I want to keep addressing this because I think there's this like just stigma and of, of like baptism being so separate from salvation. A lot of us think like, well, I'm saved, but I don't know if I'm ready to get baptized. If you are ready to follow Jesus, you're ready to get baptized. That is what it's about. It is that step into following Jesus. Jesus himself was baptized, and he he correlates that with it. That is your public declaration of your faith. And Jesus says that we are to acknowledge him publicly. And if we do not acknowledge him in public, he won't acknowledge us in front of the Father. So if you want to make a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ, please do so and get baptized. Not because I think it's important, but because Jesus does. Amen? All right. So we've been talking for the past few weeks about the Holy Spirit. Has this been speaking to anybody in their personal lives? I'm excited, not because I've come up with these messages, but because God himself came up with these messages. We're just reading the Bible and and understanding the Bible. Amen? So this has been really exciting for me because I've had the opportunity to grow a lot while coming up with this series, while studying for this series, while teaching this series. I've been challenged to walk this out just like you are. We've been talking about walking by the Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit guide our lives because the difference between following Jesus and following all the gods that people made up is the other gods are gods that people made up. And Jesus is real. And he says that if you follow him, he will send the Holy Spirit, God himself, the third person of the Trinity, to dwell in you and guide your life. That's a big statement. And so the reality is we have what the Bible calls a deposit. We've been sealed 
It's a deposit that God has made guaranteeing us what is to come, which is eternal life. We have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. When we follow Jesus, he sends his Holy Spirit to dwell with us. And that's how we know we're following Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit who is a person. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit is not just a power or an energy or a force, but he is a person with power, with energy and with force. Amen. And so when the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, you know it. The Holy Spirit is a person who has feelings, who has desires, who can be grieved. All these things. It's not just a a mystical power that we wield. He is God himself stepped out of heaven, dwelling within us. When Jesus was prophesied about, one of the names that he was called was Emmanuel. That means God with us. God with us. Not God on the throne. Not God in heaven. Not God judging us. Not God talking about all the bad things and the negative things that we do. Not God who's better than us. God with us, even though God is better than us, even though God is on the throne, even though God does judge us, God chose to be with us. God with us. So Jesus, the son of God, steps out of heaven, takes on human flesh, lives a human life, dies to sacrifice his life in place of ours because that is what our sins deserved. He paid the debt that we owe because of our sins. Ascends into heaven, then sends the Holy Spirit. So they trade places. Jesus was on earth, God with us. Jesus ascends to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here, God with us. This is what's so important. This is why we're gathering here. We have a lot going on here, if you haven't noticed. We're not doing this for no reason. We're doing this because God himself is with us and wants relationship with us. So the question, the question that I want us all to answer within ourselves tonight is do you want a meaningful relationship with God? And let that marinate. Do you want a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with God? God answered that question already on his side by doing all that he's done, sending his son to die in place of us and pay the price for our sins so that we could have relationship with him. He went ahead and put action into his desires, his desire to have relationship with us. He put action behind it said, I want to have a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with you so much that I will pay the price that it costs you to have a relationship with me. So the question that we have to answer, you and me, do you want a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with God? If the answer is no, this is probably the time to check out then because that's what we're here for. That's what we're talking about. But I would challenge you that if that answer is no, I don't even really believe that that's your real answer. Because God himself is the one sustaining your life. God himself is the one who created you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God loves you passionately. And God 
is the only one who has what you need. And so you're living life going after something. So maybe you don't know that what you're going after is God. Maybe you don't know that your fulfillment will be found in God, but I'm here to tell you, here's the answer. God loves you, has what you need. He wants a meaningful relationship with you. And the only thing that will truly fulfill you and satisfy the desire in your soul that he created is him. He created the recipe for fulfillment and he's the main ingredient. He wants a relationship with you. Do you want a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with him? If the answer is yes, say yes. So I'm just going to pray for us, and we'll talk about how to get that. God, we thank you so much that you're with us. We thank you for your word that reveals who you are to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, giving us power, giving us wisdom, giving us guidance. Lord, I thank you for who you are and that you love us. Open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us tonight. Give us understanding of what you're saying to us tonight. Reveal yourself to us as individuals deeper than we've ever known you. Lord, reveal yourself to us on an intimate level. Speak to us tonight. Decrease me and just increase. Speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So if you want a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with God, the key to that is having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's who's here. Jesus came, did his time here, paying the price for us, ascended into heaven. He's coming back, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be here as an agent to act on his in the Father's behalf, to have relationship with us. He calls the Holy Spirit the helper, the advocate, the parakletos, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor. He is our guide, one called alongside us to aid and to help us. That's who he is, not just God to judge us, not just God to do miracles. The Holy Spirit is not just here to do the supernatural, not just here to do miracles. The supernatural, the miracle, is God actually being with us. But we take that for granted a lot, where we're just like, you know, kind of putting our toe in the water and seeing like, all right, you know, I'm going to see if this God thing is for me. Feel it out. Throw up some prayers. See if he answers them. God himself, who created the universe, said, I want a relationship with you, and I will come and dwell with you, live in you, and guide you. I'm called alongside to aid and to help. That is how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. God himself came here to help us. What a beautiful thing that God wants to help us. Now, yes, God does judge us. There is a penalty for our sin when we do not accept the price that was paid by Jesus. But why would you not? It's free, paid for. And with that, you get access to relationship with God. However, there are some requirements to relationship with God. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. Because a holy, majestic, loving God 
there are some requirements to be in his presence, to have a relationship with him, and he's outlined them for us, and he's paid the price so that we can do it. Amen? All right. So point number one that we're going to talk about tonight, one of the major things that we need to understand if we're going to follow Jesus is this point right here. You need to be transformed in order to please God. Now, some of you might be saying, I disagree with that. I think I'm amazing as I am. I don't think I need to change. God disagrees. This is what we've been talking about all series. You have this constant tug of war that's happening in your life as a believer, the tug between the Holy Spirit and your flesh, the nature that you're born with is inherently opposed to the will of God. This happened at the fall, Adam and Eve, but we were created for relationship with God and we were created in his image and in his likeness. That's how we were created. So we were created to be just like God. After Adam falls and we're in his bloodline, we are born into that sinful bloodline that is just naturally opposed to the will of God. But we were created for relationship. In Genesis 2-7, when God creates Adam, he says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God, remember, we've talked about this before. There was a, just a limp, lifeless body that God had formed laying on the ground. God whoo, breathes into it, and that's what makes the body a living being. God breathing his spirit into this body is what makes it alive. So the breath of God is what makes us alive. The spirit of God, the word in Hebrew and in Greek, which are the two languages that we see in Aramaic, but that's not necessary here. The languages, excuse me, the languages that scripture is written in, both use words that mean spirit and breath. So ruach in Hebrew, which is the word used here, is the same word for spirit, for wind, and for breath. So God breathing, that's God's spirit. So God is breathing the spirit into the man. Why? God breathed himself into the man and the man became alive, an inherent connection with God. We were created to be connected to God. God breathes himself into the man. This is so important for us to understand that the spirit dwelling within the man is what determines the connection with God. So God breathes into the man, the man becomes alive, the man is inherently connected to God. The man sins, disobeys God, and sin causes a divide. Now the man's nature is sinful. And that's what we're passed down. But after this fall happens, God immediately comes up with a plan to be back into relationship with humanity. This is amazing. 
We see all throughout scripture, before Jesus arrives, God is prophesying, pointing forward to the future when he can get back into relationship with us. God wants relationship with you. God wanted relationship with you 2,000 years ago. And 2,000 years before that, he foresaw this. Old Testament prophecies pointing to God transforming us so that we could obey him again and be in relationship with him. They're all throughout scripture. In 1406 BC, estimated, in Deuteronomy, God says, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Why? Because you can't in your sinful nature. It's inherently opposed to God. But God is saying, I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna actually change your heart, change your desire so that you can obey me, so that you can have relationship with me. In Ezekiel 592 BC, he says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Four years later in Jeremiah, he says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Three years later, back in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God wanted relationship in 1400 BC in 592 BC, in 588 BC, in 585 BC. He wanted relationship. And it's pointing forward to the day. God was looking forward to the day that we could step into relationship with him by being renewed on the inside because our nature was opposed to him and we couldn't receive him. We couldn't follow his decrees and his commands that lead to life. So what does he do? He starts to reveal his own plan. He sends his own son to pay the price for our sins. And while Jesus was here, he said in John 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. One of the teachers of the law, this is a guy who's supposed to be an expert on the Bible. He says, how can someone be born when they're old? Seems like a reasonable question. This seems like a very foreign concept. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He is perplexed, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, meaning this is the truth. No doubt here. This is the only way. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit, no, see the capital S here, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, gives birth to Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. 
the wind. Remember, it's the same word used there. So to understand the spirit, you can think about the wind is what he's saying here. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. What he's saying is it's a mystery, but it's necessary. Just like you can't see the wind, you can't really touch the wind, but the wind can touch you. You can see its effects. There's no doubt when a hurricane comes through, there's no doubt that wind exists, right? When a tornado comes through, there is no doubt that wind exists. You see its effects. You don't understand it. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know how it has what it has, but you know it's real. Jesus is saying, you won't understand everything about this process, but you will see its effects. And in order to step into relationship with God, you have to be born of the spirit. You have to be born again. There has to be a regeneration that takes place inside of you, a transformation that takes place inside of you in order to please God. And Jesus said, about the law and all the prophecies. He said that he didn't come to abolish them. He came to fulfill them. So when God is prophesying all these years, hundreds and hundreds of years, that he's gonna allow us to be back in relationship with him. He's gonna put a new spirit in us. He's gonna change our hearts. Jesus came to fulfill that. Jesus came to redeem us to restore us and reconcile us to God. You can leave that up for a second. I wanna make sure you guys get that. Jesus came to redeem us, to restore us and reconcile us to God. This is the gospel. Redeem means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Jesus, in his death, paid the price. The price that we owed was death for our sins. The price that you owe, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, what that means is you accept the price that he's paid for your sins. Otherwise, the debt is on your head. When we don't accept, when we don't receive Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, I'm gonna pay that myself. But God himself steps out of heaven just to pay the price for us and hands us a ticket that we have access to just by faith in him, came and proved himself, resurrected from the dead to prove that he had power to save us. And when we receive what he's done, we can then be restored and reconciled to God. To restore means to reinstate. So when God breathed into Adam and breathed that connection into him and then it was divided because of sin, the price that Jesus paid was paid to reinstate us to our proper place in being connected with God in having an intimate relationship with God and to reconcile, to reconcile means to restore friendly relations between so that we can have an intimate relationship. He didn't just pay the price for our sins. That was necessary so that we could be reinstated and reconciled. That's the important thing to know here is this is, this is what takes this 
from religion to relationship. This is always our goal, to become fully committed disciples. Disciples have a relationship. This is what it's about. It's not just, okay, yeah, I received the payment for my sins, and I'm just going to hold on to that ticket and then do life on my own. That's not what this is about. This is I received that so that I can step into relationship with God, so that I can be restored and reconciled to God. So Jesus, he's crucified, buried, and then walks about the grave, shows up to his disciples, shares some things with them, proves to him, no, it's really me. I'm re- yeah, I know you saw me crucified. I'm back. Alive. I told you guys this would happen. I know it seems impossible, but I'm here. Look what he does. John 20. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Reinstated them. Reinstated us. God creates Adam, breathes into him the breath of life, breathes the connection with him, breathes his spirit into him. Our sin divides us. Jesus pays the price so that we can be redeemed, reinstated, and reconciled. So he breathes and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Your sins have been paid for. You can now have relationship. Now you can have me dwelling in you again. Is that not amazing? This is what we have access to. So once again, we see God breathing into man the breath of life. But restoration, reconciliation, and relationship are the result of us being reborn. Remember, he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again of the Spirit. Jesus breathing that Holy Spirit and us being transformed. You have to be transformed. And so we see it started in 1406 BC in Deuteronomy where he talks about giving us a new heart, changing us from the inside. And then we see Jesus comes and he says to Nicodemus about being born again. That's AD 27. That's when Peter's still like a teenager following him. Peter sees that he's crucified, resurrected, ascends into heaven. Peter's preaching the gospel. Peter Peter is seeing miracles. He's seeing the Holy Spirit move. 64 AD, Peter's a little older. Peter's seen some things. And what does Peter say? In 1 Peter 1, 23, he says, for you have been born again. Saying, now I've seen the fulfillment of the prophecy. What was spoken about long ago and then what Jesus came and said was going to happen. Now we have access to this. This is the time. Now that it's been paid for, we have access to this. This is now the time. You are now the fulfillment of what God talked about a long time ago. You have relationship with God. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So this brings us back to where we have been focused in this series, this perishable and imperishable seed, the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is the temporary perishable seed that will die, and all that it bears is negative fruit. But God, 
through this majestic plan, has given us the opportunity to have his seed, his, his seed, his eternal spirit planted within us. And what happens when seeds are planted? They grow, they bear fruit. So we've talked about for the past two weeks, we were talking about the fruit that we see of being led by our flesh. The fruit of the flesh, Galatians 5.17 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. The fruit of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is a message to the church of Galatia, not to the world. That is to the church talking about there is a seed that's been deposited in you as evidence of you following Jesus, and it should be bearing some fruit. And so the time that we live in is very, very important because we live in a don't judge anybody. And I'm not sitting here talking about judging, but we can judge a tree by the fruit it bears. That's what Jesus said. And so this is so important for our lives. This is why it's so important to read the Bible because you could really be out here completely misled and deceived, not understanding that the Bible is saying, let me tell you again, as I have before, meaning this isn't the first time this has been said, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what the Bible is saying. That means just because this person said a prayer when they were 12 and still considers themselves a Christian, if the fruit in their life is this, that's of the perishable seed. You have to be born again. And there is a seed that's planted when you're born again, the Holy Spirit that will bear fruit in your life. Your life should be different through following Jesus. Now, let me clarify something. That doesn't mean your life should be perfect. But you should be seeing some changes. I didn't get saved and decide to follow Jesus and become perfect by any means. I didn't immediately overcome every unhealthy habit I had, every ignorant thought pattern. It didn't just go away magically. But the process has caused some changes. And when you're walking with them long enough, you will see dramatic change from where you started. But you gotta keep walking. That's what it's about. Step by step, a seed doesn't bear fruit overnight either. It's a process. But that process should be growing as you cultivate. So when the Holy Spirit is living in you. And that is a result of faith in Jesus Christ. He sends his Holy Spirit. That means that should be the beginning of transformation because you need to be transformed to please God. And that's what he wants. He wants relationship with you. That's why he wants the transformation to happen. 
Because without the transformation, there's no relationship. If you're continually following the leading of your own flesh and your own nature and your own desires, and the fruit of that is evident. So you can take inventory of your life. This is what the Bible's for. You could be like, all right, I've been seeing a lot of envy, outbursts of anger, quarreling, sexual immorality, lustful pleasures. I've been seeing a lot of this. And know that that is the fruit of you being led by your flesh. What is the beauty? What's the good news? The good news is you still have right now to make a different choice. We have the power to choose. God gives us the power, the power to choose. The fruit of the Spirit, when you choose to be led by him, the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. The opposite of all that other stuff is the fruit that we see when we're being led by the Holy Spirit. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, pay attention to this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This means every part of our lives, not just when we get to church. This means every part of our lives, what you're doing with the rest of your time, all of your time, be led by the Holy Spirit. And this is the fruit that you will see, love, joy, Peace. This is what comes with the relationship with God. This is why I said, do you want a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with God? Even if you said no, I think the answer is actually yes, because you want love. You want joy. You want peace. This is where it comes from. The Holy Spirit, you in your nature, don't have access to those things. You have access to perverted versions of those things. You have access to things that people call love, things that people call joy, things that people call peace. But God gives us access to true love, to true joy, to true peace, to true patience, kindness, goodness, goodness, just general goodness. It is a result of relationship with God. And so point two is God will transform you if you let him. This is the good news. You need to be transformed in order to please God, but God will do it if you let him. God himself, you wanna know why? He says it in the Bible. Philippians 2.13 says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Wow. That means God is not sitting around waiting for you to desire and do what pleases him. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What are you choosing is the question. 
That's really all it comes down to. That's what I've realized in my own life is it's always laid in front of me. God says, I, I place before you blessing and cursing. I, I just place it before you and I'm willing to do the work. God got down in the mud with us. God put the work in so that we could have relationship with us. We did not pay the price for our sins. We have access to it by faith. Faith, that's it. A confession, receiving, those are not the result of our own works. We have access by faith and then he deposits his Holy Spirit in us and then we have the choice. Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that he doesn't say to transform yourself. He doesn't say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but transform yourself. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you don't have the power to change yourself, but you have the power to choose to submit to God. His Holy Spirit will dwell in you, working in you to give you the desire that, is, that has blessed me so much throughout the years. When I was like, wow, I can just, I can pray for God to give me the desire to please him. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but maybe it's just me. I don't always wake up wanting to do holy things. <laughs> maybe you do. I don't always wake up wanting to do that, but I have this choice in front of me to choose to be led by God or to be led by my flesh. Now, unfortunately for me, I just spent a lot of time going the wrong direction. So I have like all those, you know, the, the memories of just touching the stove and feeling it burn to be like, I'm gonna go this direction. <laughs> you don't have to have that. Hopefully, if you have burned yourself enough times, you will learn to stop. But if you haven't, Maybe you haven't gone that direction. Don't. You don't have to learn through negative experiences. You can learn through wisdom. That's why God gives us instruction, not so that we could just bump our heads until we listen, but he gives us wisdom so that we can follow and have a blessed, fruitful life, and we can experience intimate relationship with him, meaningful and fulfilling relationship with him. So submission is what it's about. You cannot transform yourself, so striving will not change you, but submission will. Oh, I'll write that down. Like, for real. Because that is what we're inclined to. As human beings, we are inclined to strive. Like, okay, God, you want me to change? I'm about to change. I'm not doing this anymore. And then we're just striving. <laughs> Striving, failing, trying to do it in our own power, trying to be nice in our own power, trying to be faithful in our own power, trying to be kind, trying to be patient, trying to be long-suffering in our own power. And we realize that the flesh is not built for that. Your flesh is not built for that. 
So you won't see real love, real joy, real peace following your flesh. Romans 8 says that the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Who's governing? Governing comes with submission. Which are you submitting to? That's the determination. Like that's what determines death or life and peace. And life and peace is what you're looking for. Life and peace. As believers, the only thing that will stop the transforming work of God in our lives is our own resistance. God will work in you. He says it. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God himself. The only thing that can stop that is your own resistance. Saying, I don't feel like doing that right now. That's a real one. It it got real quiet, but I I think that hit some people. They're just straight up, I don't feel like doing that. I could be patient right now. That's what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. I don't feel like doing that. And then you don't do it, and then you're like, God's not changing me. (laughs) No, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's not making the choice for you. But you want to change. Why? Because God's working in you. You have the power to do it. Why? Because God's working in you. Do you choose to do it is up to you. It's really that simple. And I know a lot of you guys are like, not with what I'm dealing with. Oh, that sounds good. You're not dealing with what I'm dealing with. Look, it's the Bible that says it. So you can take that up with God if you feel like your situation is an exception. (laughs) But I personally have not found that anything in my life becomes an exception to God's word. It's just the truth. I have the choice. The devil has never made you do anything. He has convinced you to make a choice, but he's never made you do anything. You have the power to choose. That's why we get judged. Off of our choices. If it was some other force forcing you to do things, that wouldn't be a fair judgment. But your choices, that's what God judges. We have the choice. And that's what the expression of love really is, a choice. Nobody made me marry Gabrielle. Nobody made me commit to her. That wouldn't be love. I chose. I love you. Thank you. It was a good choice. I chose. I'm going to be here. It's really that simple. That's what God wants from us. Not to force us into doing anything. Not to scare us into doing anything. There are real consequences because he's a fair judge. And if you just blatantly disregard him, disrespect him, refuse his way, yeah, He's God, and he's a fair judge, but we have the choice to be in relationship with him, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want to send people to hell. He doesn't want to judge people for all of their sins. That's why he paid the price for it. That's why he was talking for hundreds of years 
about the opportunity that we would have to be in relationship with him. That's what he wants. That's why he's done all the work. He's like, I will literally do all the work for you. Just do it. Like, I'll live in you, working in you, giving you the desire, the desire to obey me and the power to do what pleases me. I'll do it. Just choose. Seriously, just choose. That's it. That's all I'm asking. A choice. And we're like, hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. The only thing that can stand in the way of that is our own resistance. Sometimes that resistance comes in the form of us not feeling good enough. Feeling like, ah, oh, I'm not worthy of this. You're not. Let's just, let's just clarify that right now. You are not. We get it. Neither are we. None of us are worthy of God. You can clap for that, it's real. None of us are. Do you really feel like you're worthy of somebody getting crucified for, for your own choices? For real. None of us are worthy of that, but God did it anyway. That's how good he is. That's why we're here. That's why we, that's why we worship. How could you not? when you know what he's done, when you know how much he loves you, when you know how passionate he is about you. That's why we're here. God wants a meaningful and fulfilling relationship with us. So I'm gonna close with this. Galatians 5.16 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's how we started off. That's how we're closing out. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This tug of war that you're in comes down to a choice. A choice to let God do what he wants to do. He wants to change you. He wants to provide for you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. All you have to do is allow it to happen. Choose him. We don't have the proper wisdom to give ourselves the power to overcome our desires or the foresight to direct ourselves. However, the Holy Spirit has the wisdom, the power, and the perspective to be the perfect guide for us. And all he wants is relationship with us. Our relationship with God only flourishes when we stop striving and start submitting. The flesh will always lead you to strive, to do things in your own power, to do things in your own might. You don't have the power to please God, but you have the power to choose him to give you the power to do what pleases him. And so tonight, as we close, we're gonna take some time with each other to connect on this subject, the Bible. I'ma always bring it back to the Bible. We're not just coming up with cool ideas here. The Bible says, confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're pushing you to do things that 
are a little uncomfortable because God says that's where your healing is. On the other side of your discomfort is healing. On the other side of being a little antisocial is healing. That's what God says, where two or three are gathered. God is about relationship. God is about relationship. God is in relationship himself. Trinity, three in one, always been together. And he's like, y'all need to experience this. This is what this is about. Love is about relationship. And so we're gonna take some time to talk with each other. And we're just gonna answer this one question and then we're gonna pray for each other. Our discussion question for tonight is, what is one area in your life that comes to mind when you think about striving versus submission? And so how we're gonna do this, you're just gonna break in groups of three to five. Hey, please make sure that no one is by themselves. Simple as that. I think you guys can handle it, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are adults. Thank you, I think you can handle a conversation. (laughs) There's power in this. And so don't give the fake or the cheesy answer. Take a step out on God's word where he says that there's healing on the other side of this by sharing with each other and praying for each other. So don't give the surface level and don't give the surface level prayers. Pray for each other. Care about what the other people are saying. Invest in this. And there's healing on the other side of it. Groups three to five, answer that question. It'll be up on the screen. Love you guys. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.